welcome to our Kingdom Culture Podcast. For today's message, we are thankful for what God is doing through this podcast to encourage and transform lives around the world. If you have a story to share about how God has encouraged or transformed your life through this podcast, we would love to hear about it by emailing us at mystory@kingdomculture.ca. If you would like to support this ministry financially to help us bring messages like this to you every week, you can do so online at kingdomculture.ca at the give option. We also would love to connect with you on our social media, on Instagram and Twitter at KC Ottawa and Facebook at Facebook slash Kingdom Culture Ottawa. We pray that you would experience God today and be encouraged through today's message. Enjoy. Hey, everybody. Welcome, Kingdom Culture. So glad that you're with us this morning. It is an amazing morning. We're continuing our Revive 2020 series. We've been in this now for weeks. It's been an amazing theme, amazing series. We're really believing that God is going to continue to revive specific areas of our life. And so we're excited that you're with us this morning. We have an amazing special guest with us that's going to be bringing it. And we're going to be having a little bit of a candid raw, real conversation. Um, It's going to be spontaneous. It's going to be purposeful, strategic, but ultimately I believe God's going to revive you in the specific area that we're talking about today. God's going to transform your life in a really powerful, powerful way. In fact, I actually felt like before we got on this call that, uh, that, that God was saying that this conversation would echo into your future that what's going to come out of this conversation would be an echo of transformation into your future. And so I want to welcome good friend of mine, Tommy Green, all the way from Utah. What's up, Tommy? What's going on? You're like, this is, not, this is not the Tom Green from the Tom Green show. Let's just... Let's just say that off the cuff. This is the uh, other Tommy Green. That's me, Tommy that's Green. me bro. That's Tommy me, man. Green from, uh, from, but hey, Tommy, like we've had you before at Kingdom Culture. Yeah. And our culture loved you, loves you. Oh, You're an amazing individual. In fact, you started something in our leadership team that continues on to this day. And I don't know if you remember this, but we had a, a leaders connect at my house. Huh. And yeah. when Harley, one of our leaders came in, you were like, Harley, Harley. <laughs> ever since then, ever since then, every time she comes into the room, everybody does that. And it's like, Tommy, it's Tommy's fault. <laughs> Harley always says, Tommy's fault. Tommy's fault. <laughs> so you started a trend, it. man. I you started it. a trend That's... in our leadership culture. It's awesome. As long as, as long as it's like celebration and fun, then I'm, yeah. I'm good. <laughs> So what, what, what's happening in Utah, man? You guys still on lockdown or what's going on? Give us a little Coles notes. Um, yeah, ours. Um, we're not in like full on lockdown. We've been in, we aren't in like shelter in place or anything. I, I do real estate for work. So I'm still allowed to work because I think they're trying to just make sure the state right. survives or whatever. But <clears throat> yeah, basically for what, eight to 10 weeks, I've been, the, I've been going out to do work when I can. Uh, Chrissy Green and my kiddos are just here, and so <clears throat> yeah, we've just been kind of on sort of sort of quiet. And then I, I'm the like guy. You guys are mind. pretty flexible. Then it just it's, yeah, it sounds like it's a little it's, bit. It's not it's not quite as bad as maybe in some other places. And Utah right. did a pretty good job of staying in some ways ahead of it. So, um, 
they reopened a lot on the first of May. Most of the small businesses in the city have waited. They're like, we're just gonna we're gonna hang back if we can. So you know, we'll see. The city will. This time will tell. Time will Crazy tell. days, man. Crazy days. Well, hey, I'm <laughs> loving the fact that we get to have an opportunity to hang with you this morning. Yeah, me and too. and see what comes out of this conversation this morning. Um, just to give yeah. you a little bit of a caveat, those that are watching, you know, Tommy. I've known Tommy for eight years now. Met him back mm-hmm. in Los Angeles, California, in 2012. Wow. And um, you know, back then you were in a different space. I mean, you were still the front man of the lead singer of an amazing band called Sleeping Giant. <laughs> Rocking yes, this true. world, man, bringing, bringing the power of God <laughs> to the bar scene and the underground <clears throat> hardcore scene. And all mm-hmm. I heard from about you, man, was like you were baptizing kids on the stage with bottles of water. <laughs> I mean, like crazy stuff. But you were touring. And, you know, I, I remember mm-hmm. you showed me some of your music videos. Like, wow, who is this guy? And I'd heard about your band because I was in that scene in a different mm-hmm. capacity. And so I'd heard about your band. But um, and then, you know, uh, obviously, I, I love your music. I'm a huge hardcore fan, hardcore metal fan to this day, diehard. <laughs> yeah. And uh, but uh, but yeah, you have an amazing wife named Chrissy. Chrissy Green That's right. she is an yes. incredible, incredible woman of God. Mm. You have a whole bunch of kids. You have how many kids do you have? Four. Four kids. Four kids. Four kids. You are a businessman. You are writing, you're writing a book right now. I am. Uh, you're a real estate agent, and you're just, you're just killing it, man. You're also a church planter as yeah. well. And no. while you had like uh, a church plant that was full of hardcore kids, right? Like you had like yeah. a, a church that had like sort of a dynamic to draw in some of the crowd that you were yeah. formerly, you know, an influence and in ministering to all the time as you were touring in the band that you were in, right? And how long yeah. did that, that go for? It's still going. I mean, we've got, yeah, we've got probably, I I would say, um, I don't know, less than, less than 20 groups, but all over the planet. So the, the most recent church plant, like Rev Church plant is in uh, Birmingham in the UK. And they just started two years ago. They do like heavy metal worship and they have a whole bunch of people that come because Birmingham, England is kind of the birthplace of metal. Wow. You know, it's like we're Black Sabbath and like other. So yeah, 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 it's kind of yeah. got this history in the scene. So yeah, we're still doing that, and um, the Rev gatherings is kind of growing slowly. And there's people from all over that are leading uh, small, you know, home groups or um, small churches, or they're in business or doing family, or they're discovering what it is that God has for them in in their kingdom worldview. So it's not all church, but it's all kind of kingdom. So that's, that's awesome, man. And honestly, man, the thing I love about you the most is your heart. Oh, for those of you that know Tommy, he's got one of the (laughs) biggest hearts, like most incredible hearts. Like I love his conversations. When you sit with Tommy, you feel like you're having a real conversation because he inquires about you. He cares. It's like, he's like a, he's like a counselor. He's like, he's like a counselor in a crazy man's body. (laughs) You're awesome, man. I love you. I appreciate you. <laughs> I love you too. That's I you. But hey, listen, um, we're talking today about a topic that I believe you you are carrying in this season. Mm. And in light of the series and theme that we've been in called Revive 2020, this three-month mm. series that we're in, you're talking about today, revive, the subject is revive the soul. 
And you said this one comment to me that has kind of sort of defined our sort of sub subject title, which is your, your story or your future. And you said it like this to me when we were talking a few weeks ago, you said you can either have your story or you can have your future. And, and then we started talking about, I remember this, which is kind of what cultivated this or designed this, this flow for today's conversation is this journey that you've been on in reviving this mentality of like for so long, you have this like poverty way of thinking about yeah. yourself and that how God's yeah. now bringing you into a new, a new space where he's reviving your mindsets and bringing mm-hmm. you into more of a prosperous way of thinking. And we're not talking about, you know, people hear the word prosperity mentioned in mm-hmm. church culture. They immediately go to like all this wacky stuff about like prosperity is all about, you know, what you have and your big house and your cars, mm-hmm. your Bentleys, your Rolls Royces. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking mm-hmm. about the kind of prosperity <laughs> in your mindset that actually believes you're worth something, that you have value. And out yeah. of that place, um, your, your, your life goes and flows and advances. And so let's talk about that, man, about what God's doing right now, what God's saying to you in the context of, you know, your soul <clears throat> being revived and people that are watching right now that are struggling, especially in this season, man, of quarantine, like yeah. they yeah. feel like they're worth nothing. They're reminded yeah. that they have nothing. They're maybe they, they, they feel like their life is screaming at them. Like, see, you don't believe you don't have value. Uh, what, wow. uh, bring us a little bit all along on, on your journey. Let's just go for it. Yeah. So <clears throat> I would say it was probably, um, so I, I will preface most of this with, um, uh, in, in, uh, in May of 2018, my little brother, who's one of my best friends, uh, suddenly passed away at, at 31. He, he had an aneurysm and just died suddenly. And I, I flew out to Boston uh, with the express intention of waking him up um, and just being, I, I, <laughs> he was, it was not okay with me. And so I flew out to Boston and uh, when, you, when you say got, waking up, you mean actually like praying for him to come back to life. I, I, yeah. And I, I'm, and we did, yeah, I remember we were praying. I remember. Yeah. Every, so I flew, I fly to Boston. I get there. I pray for him. I breathe on him. I'm like hovering over him. And I'm just like, no. And he didn't come back. And uh, I remember just trying to grapple with the reality of what had just happened. You know, your whole world shatters in like a moment. Everything is different. Um, Places are now, it's almost like prologue. (laughs) And then you come back home and the buildings look different and the city looks different and you feel different. and, And there's an absence. There's a huge vacancy somewhere. Within a month of that happening, Chrissy Green and I had our first of three miscarriages over the next 15 months. Um, in July of 2019, Chrissy's mom passed away. And then <clears throat> in uh, August or September, our little nephew overdosed and passed away. And so there's, there's been this prolonged, it's been so much personal loss that have, has marked this season. Like all this stuff has been running in the background. And in the midst of it, <clears throat> Chris and I both just decided we, in watching how fast stuff changed and, and realizing how important life is for our kids, for our family, we said, Chrissy said this actually, um, she said, we have to change 
we have to change our stars. Like we have got to change the story um, because we aren't, we, we haven't been handed the tools that we've needed to process and deal with some of the stuff that's so critical on the inside. Um, so, you, I would I mean, say, so, so you kind of felt like you had this, so this is kind of like the icing on the cake. I mean, you've lived a crazy life from your past. God has transformed yeah. your life. And then you have yep. this like season, this bubble that seemed like to have crazy tragedy, yep. crazy trial, and it was consistent. Mm-hmm. And you can't, you kind of came to the end of yourself in a sense, which is, yeah. I find that every time we come, we come to the end of ourselves, we find the beginning of God. And it's totally. always the beginning of God in a new season. It's a new story. And so you, yeah. you, you kind of came to the realization that guys like, or, or, or God, like this is not, this cannot continue. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we could live and dwell in this story of tragedy yeah. or we can shift our mindset to now expect a different future. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, kind of. I, I was on it. I was on a run and basically I, we set in the midst of the tragedy. We're like, well, we have to fight back. I feel like most of the prophetic changes in my life, like when I decided I was going to do something different, it's always been, it seems like it has always been predicated by something bad happening. And so I feel as though I've been trained in my Christianity by tragedy, but wow. I don't have a lot of, I can't grab a hold of changing. I, I said it like six years ago. I think I said, you will change by choice or you will change by trauma, but you will change. Wow. And so I remember grabbing a hold and saying to God, I, because of my background and how I grew up, I, I remember telling him, I, I know what it's like to be punished. And I know what it's like to suffer loss. Can you train me by blessing? Can you actually teach me by being good to me? Because I don't know how to receive that. Like I just was coming from such a broken place that I was like, you can do whatever. I mean, like, if, even, if he beat, even if he beat me to a pulp, I, I would say, well, I guess he's good. I don't, you know what I mean? Like I just, yeah. I, I was like, you can do whatever you want with me. But man, it would be really helpful for me if you would be so good to me that I would believe it because so I now, just don't so let, have let, that filter. Let, let's just camp there for a second because yeah, I think in, in this whole context <clears throat> of renewing our mindsets, sometimes our mindsets frame the way that we see the world. So it's not, necess- yeah. not, it's not really that God hasn't been good to you. The challenge yeah. always is, is seeing that God yeah. has been good when all this bad is coming, yeah. sometimes our mindset is only centered around the bad that we see. We forget all the good, the transformation, how God has changed yeah. you from the inside out. And now you're on a journey of almost, it's not just about seeing the good that's coming. It's about now looking back and saying, wait, wait a minute. You were good all along. Okay. I just that's- had a mindset yeah. and I had the blinders on <clears throat> because of the way I believed about myself. And all yep. I could see at times, because I mean, you would say that, yes, you, you know that God is good to you. you. You would say that if you looked back at your life and documented your life, wow, this point, this point, this point. I mean, God has been good, but we, it's so easy to get blinded by trauma yep. that all we see now is the trauma. Yep. And then the trauma far exactly. outweighs all the good. All the <clears throat> Which is, that's what I would say. Like, so I'm, I'm, there's two things. The first one of the foundational verses in my whole existence from the minute I got saved 
this was one of the verses that in the Bible, I felt God speak to me. Um, And I didn't have a grid for what that really was, but it was like, I I just, I got it on some level, but it was from, it's John 6, um, 29. And and his his disciples come to him and they go, uh, this is verse 28. They, they come to Jesus and they say, um, what must we do to do the works that God requires? And in John 6, 29, Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. And so when I started my journey, I was like, dude, all the work, like I, I was so lost and so broken. And so I was saying this the other week, it might mess me up. I was so deceived and he chose me Wow! and like he, he picked me and I, and I was of no use <laughs> to anyone. I was just not in a good place at all. And he like, he, he, he picked me. And so I was just like, whatever I've got, you can have it. And then he said, this is the work of your life. It's, it's not to do all the stuff. It's not the buildings. It's not dressing. It's not putting on your church clothes and acting on your best behavior. The very work that I want you to do is to believe me. And so that's been the running thing in my mind is I've always known there's a deeper conversation going on in the depth of who I am. And, and you see it across the board. The work of God for me is to believe him. And, and that has taken so many different courses, but to respond to what you're saying, I have a, a investment mentor, like a financial mentor. And he, he posed this question to me because he played baseball through high school and into college. He got a scholarship to his division one college and played baseball throughout college. But his goal was to play in the major leagues and he didn't play in the majors. Now, instead, he went to college for free and traveled all over the world and met all these people. And now he runs like a multi-million dollar real estate investment company. And he hangs out with his wife and his son. And he doesn't have to do anything that he doesn't want to do. And he's like, so, Tommy, am I a failure? And I'm like, huh. And he's like, because if you'd asked me up until about five years ago, I would have said I was a failure because I didn't make it to the major leagues. Wow. And I, I realized that for me, that's when the Lord like jumped on the conversation and was like, Tommy, do you realize that since you've met me, most of the things you've done have succeeded? And I'm like, yeah, I guess, I guess so, huh? And he's like, yeah, so are you a failure? And I, I realized that I carried so much of that, which, which leads to that idea that I can look back and say that God is so good. But to put a big point on it, maybe this will be helpful for anybody at KC that is watching this. Like, I'm in Sleeping Giant years ago. We're traveling all over the place. Every single night, I'm, I'm sharing the gospel of Jesus. I'm inviting kids to turn their hearts over to him. We're, we're seeing the Holy Spirit do miracles and signs and wonders. We're baptizing kids in the front with a bucket and a hose. We had like, we're just going for it. It's we're awesome. doing this stuff. Like we're, we're in there. And then Chrissy gets pregnant. And I, I knew a couple of things. I knew that the baby was going to be healthy. I knew the baby was mine. And I knew that it was not going to be a boy. 
And the reason I knew it was not going to be a boy was because I was so messed up that God was not going to give me legacy. Wow. And then it turned out to be my son. Crazy. So I was doing all this amazing evangelistic work. I was trying to to be a kingdom dude. I, I felt like God had given me this word about being like the honor guard. And I just wanted to represent him well. Wow. Oh, I just wanted to make him proud. And I wanted people to see how rad he was. And, and in my mind, I was like, but I'm just glad to be saved, bro. But you're, you don't have to continue my name at all. Like I lost the privilege of having the name when you saved me. So if you only give me like daughters, I will give my daughters to someone else so that their name can keep going. I don't, I don't deserve it. So this is really happening in my mind as I'm doing all the Christian stuff. I still don't believe that I've been redeemed. I'm, I'm still in penance mode on some level. I've, I've, I've bonded how broken it was to the salvation story. And I think, I don't think I'm the only one that feels like, well, you saved me and I know that you like love me, but like you don't actually trust me. Wow. And I think there's a lot of people that we create a Christian story, but if we don't allow the real being renewed in the spirit of our mind or allowing um, not being conformed to the pattern, but being transformed. If we really don't let those, those principles in, or how about this one? Because those can be very complex. Think about this for a second. Jesus says, consider the flower, how it grows. I, I don't know how they grow, but they just grow. And I think that's the same thing as like, Jesus is like, just stop and, and let me do the thing. And I think for, in, in my, in my mentality, I want to like, know that I've been faithful and God, I want to prove to you that I appreciate everything they've done for me. And like, I'm not trying to take advantage of it. And I'm a second chance kid and I get it. But like, bro, please, please don't let me take advantage of what you did. But like, man, I I hate myself for what I did. And I don't know how to stop hating myself for what I did. And you can live that way as a Christian and he's got to wash your mind. Yeah. And so that's that's kind of been the journey is recognizing that while I'm doing stuff and my heart is in it, my, my mindset, my mentality is so distant from from how good he really feels about me. And I, I did that for years. And so <clears throat> when all the bad stuff really like hit the fan in the last couple of years, I remember telling Jesus, like, I don't know where I am. Like I, I was on a run and I stopped and was just like, I have no idea where I am right now. And I, I love you so much. And I know that you love me so much that like, I'm not leaving. But dude, we have got to talk or there's a part of this like me that's going to exit the building. And that can't work. That won't work for our relationship. Like I so, can't. So, it's, so it almost sounds like. It sounds like if you, based if I was to like diagnose sort of in a word that had really governed you subconsciously, even without you being aware of it, would be shame. Like, oh yeah, the shame of your past, the shame of even maybe your present, maybe even the subconscious shame of knowing without really knowing, but knowing that you were doing these things, good works, but really feeling like disconnected or not valued 
And even, you know, people that do that, there's a level of shame attached to that saying, I shouldn't think this way. What's wrong with me? Beat myself up over it. Mm -hmm. But your heart was genuine, but it was like pouring with this element of shame because you said something in in your notes that you'd sent me that I, I loved. You said this, you said, you recognize that you married Bible verses to your trauma and now you had run out of room to grow. Can you like talk about that? Yeah. So this is, so yes. And, and then I'll get to, for everybody that's watching the, the real word that I know is sort of the umbrella word of today for everybody is in Luke chapter 13. So you can go there if you want, but so this is what happened. I'm at a leadership development conference with a bunch of my friends in, in Colorado. And my homie, Ruckus, had put this on and he hired a New York Times bestselling author named Ryan Holiday to come and hang out with us for like a day or two and and talk. And he just had a new book coming out. So he was coming to do this thing. So I have to do a keynote as a faith leader at this kind of business thing. So I share my story about how I basically got saved and what I got saved from and how it all went down. And at the end of it, Ryan walks up to me and he goes, hey, man, that story was like horrible. And I'm like, I know. And he goes, I don't think that was love, man. I think that was codependence. And I have some books that you should read. And I go, yeah. And I start, I'm like, yo. And he goes, because here's the other thing. You didn't make all of those mistakes. Like your partner was very culpable in that. And I think that you took on a lot more than you should have in that. So I have a dude that's not a Christian looking from the outside at my testimony. And he goes, is that what you think? (laughs) That's crazy. And it was, and it took a storyteller of that magnitude confronting my like sacred testimony. And I had to go back and think, oh, oh my gosh, like, Oh my gosh. And then within like a couple months, someone that was from the chapter in my life back then, um, (laughs) I I was, I, it was really bad. It was really bad when I was 18 and I, I made a really horrendous decision and it resulted in a lot of damage and calamity. And in that I made a lot of enemies. And one of those dudes was going to actually try to like end my life. (laughs) And so that guy contacted me via Facebook because of our run against traffic, our nonprofit. And he's like, yo, I heard about you on this podcast, man. I didn't know anything about you. I haven't talked to you in years, but I heard you telling the story of kind of back in the day. And dude, I think you're like feeling guilty for stuff that like is not even on you, man. And I'd love to just sit and talk with you. So So now you have like, you have two people saying the same thing it's okay which is you're taking on and and two of the opposite people you think that wouldn't have the maybe awareness or discernment to say that dude and and literally it was just it was it was like it was such a gift because the depth of my sin and my loss and my the power of my decision i i can still feel but to have a to have ryan holiday go hey man i wouldn't tell your story like that I went, huh. And I got to think like, well, wait a minute. What, what am I doing to myself in the retelling of this thing? How am I wiring my brain to relate to even? And so I realized that 
if I'm telling my testimony and some part of that is off, oh my gosh, like where have I married my pain to a Bible verse? Can you give and an example? I, Can you give an example of like maybe like yeah, that, um, like looks like? Well, yeah, I think that's that's even why I start with my son. Like the Bible verse says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I'm like, yes. And then as a Christian, I'm like, I don't deserve to have a boy. Right. And the reality is that I've taken, well, my mistake, I can be forgiven. And Jesus has like taken the sins as far as the East is from the West. And behind it all, the thing that got me in my heart to the Lord was like, when I did nothing for you, you picked me. Yeah. So I don't know why I would try so hard right now. You've already got me. And that, like, that, that, that's the whole revelation of, of sonship really is yep. Jesus was announced as a son on his mm-hmm. baptism. This is my son in yeah. whom I'm well pleased before he really did. Before he did historically anything. documented anything with ministry. He didn't perform any miracles yet. And it was a pronouncement of sonship. And really part of the reason why you felt like you were unworthy to have a son is that you warred within your own soul around your own sonship, Sonship. which really is a a poverty mentality. Like, for example, like this is just language, but orphans don't have an inheritance. They're disconnected Mm -hmm. from the family line. They're disjointed. Sons do, Mm -hmm. you know, um, orphans live in a space of competition, yeah. trying to compete with others to, to get ahead. Sons just know they're loved by a father. They have See? a father <clears throat> and that the inheritance is theirs. And so part of your war with this shame that was really warring against your mindset was that you felt, how could I have what sons have? Therefore, how could I be a father to a son why would God want to give me a son? I'm just going to screw him up. That's it. So that element was in your head, right? Yeah, I mean, totally. And I think another one that people could probably identify with that might just be easier for people to like, I watched, a, I, I'm a part of an investment group with a bunch of other leaders and business owners. And this lady, she runs a, 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 a million dollar real estate investment company. She does rentals and um, wholesaling and flips and all this stuff. And she's just a boss. She's in Dallas and she's awesome. She is stuck in her head. I'm listening to this mentorship call and she can't let her business grow because of the Bible verse. It's hard for a rich man to get into heaven harder for, uh, it's harder for a camel to go through the eye of the needle. And so my investment mentor is like, Tommy, please help. <laughs> so I just like, open up the Bible and I call her and I'm like, that verse is not about you. You need to stop that. And I'm like, you employ people, you got family, like you, you can't let your business succeed well because you think that Jesus is telling you if you have resource to let your business thrive, you're not getting into heaven. That's a real thing. People take that Bible verse out of context context, and they marry it to their own fear and their own hurt and their own lack. And then they create a thought, a theology that actually governs from the inside. So even if they say they want to do good inside, they're like, they're going this way, but they're saying I'm going. And so that's an easy one for a lot of people to get because it has to do with like actual resource. Like 
Yeah, what, if we, if we can just camp there for one second because I think yeah. that, that verse, just to give clarity, like the deeper context of that verse is in context to as a rich man that has felt like they have accomplished everything on their own, disconnected from God. They have become their own God. Therefore, their riches have become their God. And mm-hmm. the context is it's a lot harder to see your need for God who is the provider who is the one of great wealth, who is the one, El Shaddai, God of more than enough. It's hard to see him when you've been your own God and made it yourself. And so really it is hard in the context of when you've done it all yourself, disconnected from God to all of a sudden shift your mindset. I mean, that's that's the thing. Jesus came for the sick. When you feel Mm -hmm. like you've got it all together, you have blinders on. You don't need God until you come to the end of yourself then you find the beginning of God, and now mm-hmm. you actually have a future because God yeah. is the one who's already set out your future. <clears throat> you have his future now, not just your mm-hmm. own. And in the end of your life, you're like, what the heck did I just do? What did I build? Nothing. To- totally. I also like the context of, for that story, is like, imagine what would happen if that rich young ruler took Judas's place. Yeah. If, if he had come and God's like, drop it. And then he basically got to become one of the 12 or he got to fulfill that, that management thing for someone else. I also have heard a preacher talk about it as if he was coming to the Lord to try to buy his way into heaven. And so right. Jesus is like, can't drop it. it. Can't do it, man. And so yeah. that has nothing to do with, I'm building a business to try to take care of my family and I'm stuck at this level and I can tell that it's in me, but I'm scared to prosper because I don't want God to turn his back on me. Like that is a weird thought process, but it's everywhere. It's everywhere. And I, so that's an easy one to look at for me. I'm saying on a much deeper level, what, what is going on? And I, and you nailed it. You nailed it just because even, um, the idea of that core emotion wheel, it's like realizing that shame is a core emotion. I, and, and to put it in context, just for the sake of people that don't know Dr. Glenn, it's like, if you don't feel guilt and you don't feel shame, you're a psychopath. Like, I know we don't want to be led by guilt and shame, but if we don't actually experience guilt and shame, we can't change. And I would couch it in the verse of godly sorrow leads to repentance. Like if you don't feel bad for anything, you can't grow and you're crazy. You're actually crazy. You're going to hurt people. So the idea of like, we don't want to be led by shame, but I'm realizing that shame really has been something that's marked my life since probably my parents' divorce and growing up the way that I did. And come becoming a part of the subculture I was a part of. Can there you go there a little of, bit? Can you dive in there? Yeah. So just like yeah, sure. take us on a little bit of a journey of maybe why this, because we're talking really about the soul, right? We're talking about you can mm-hmm. live in your story or you can have a future. And the, yeah, and I'll, the I'll get, we'll get to Luke, Luke 13. Yeah, and, yeah. And the um, roadblock in the mind that says you're worth nothing. Well, all of that was conditioned and shaped within you because of, scenarios that happened in your past let's just bring us there a little bit and then yeah so the the reality situation is that like little kids are just amazing um, amazing observers like we're we we as little people we are incredible at observation and we are horrendous at interpreting we are horrible interpreters of what's going on and so regardless of the situation I can watch what's happening, but because I don't have the skills yet, I'm interpreting any of the brokenness that goes on as 
it, this is probably because of me. And so the reality of the situation is that whole, the old adage of like, if you, if your parents get divorced and it's really not your fault, you don't know that you really don't know that on a certain level. There's a lot of people that go, well, this must be because of something that has to do with me. Well, facts and stats actually say, like if studies say that the kids always take a level of blame, even subconsciously, even as like a, a, as young as like a four, three, four year old. Yep. That's that. And that was me. I I learned at three or four years old that my entire world could be broken apart if someone didn't like what someone else did. Wow. So that created the framework of I've got to show up and I've got to be the best I can or they're all going to leave. Wow. And, and, and then there's just this simple fact statistically and psychologically that and this is from my my non-Christian um, therapist uh, out here. And he said, the core identity of each child comes from their same-sex parent. And so if you don't have your same-sex parent there with you to give you, this is what you look like, it is very tricky to figure out who you are when you feel like, I'm just trying to hold the world together. I, I have no idea what's going on, but I feel like it's all my fault and I don't know how to connect the dots. So to come wow. up as a, as a divorced kid is one thing to have essentially to be the kid in the middle where my, my mom and my stepfather have kind of their connection. My dad and my stepmom have their connection. I've got little brothers in St. Louis and I visit them every summer, but I like don't have like a spot. Um, that just reinforces the fact that I shouldn't be here. Like wow. I'm kind of an accident and I don't think that it, I don't think I'm going to be taken care of. So the, the lie in the garden is like, well, you better start making some fig leaf coverings right now. Cause if you don't meet your own needs, they're not going to get met. And if they really see you, they're not going to love you. So like you better just cover up the best you can. So that became kind of that guiding like principle through my life. And so um, to not be chosen or not to feel special or um, accepted for who I am, but wanting to give that to everyone else in my life. Like I would be the guy that's like, yo, if you're like a nerd and you're crazy, like, then I got your back and that's awesome. And I'm just hoping someone will flip that to me, but I don't know if it's going to happen or not. So not really having the shelving or the tools needed to really let go of some of that story. And so even in ministry to feel like, well, now I'm a part of the culture. I know that God loves me and saved me. And I can see the stuff I put my hands to. It actually does bear fruit and stuff starts happening. Um, but to be honest with you, the more involved I got with church leadership and with other pastors and with like the church culture, I felt like I came from the American hardcore scene, which is essentially a, a bastardized movement. It is like, the fatherless kids, the throwaway generation. It's like the hip hop scene for punk rockers. It's just, it is a subculture that's yep. rooted in pain and anger and discontentment and um, fury in a lot of ways. But it, it was my culture. It's where I could dig in and I felt at least seen and protected. I felt like if, if it was us against the world. So I come from an orphan culture, 
and that culture makes sense to me. Then I become part of the church. And to be honest with you, the more I got around leaders, the more I actually felt like an orphan. Wow. Wow. It was wild to have all these people saying sonship, 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 but the whole culture felt sick with competition and insecurity. It, I felt more like I felt more like an orphan in the church world, looking for people that were going to have my back. And it was much easier to just go to the hardcore scene where I knew, I know right now I've got people that will go to prison for me like that. You know what? It's easier. It's easier to see that a brother has your back yeah than it is when you struggle in this area to see that a father could have your back that's or a mother could have your back depending upon your context like it's really it's it's easier to see that a brother that is going to wrestle for you fight for you it's just a lot easier for some reason and at some level you'd think it would be harder it shouldn't be harder but when you live in a mindset of shame or a lack mm-hmm. of self-worth in this specific area, it's really hard. And in fact, I, I just feel this to say to share this. I had a dream mm. several nights ago where I was in this banquet hall and I was getting ready to speak. I was like, I was supposed to be speaking at it. And and there was like different rows of tables. And at one table, there were all these spiritual fathers like all Mm. these spiritual fathers. And at another table, there were all these sons. And I I remember saying in the dream, no, no, like, what are we doing here? Like, there's a chasm between the sons and the fathers. I said, the fathers should be sitting at the same table as the sons. Yep. And the sons should be sitting at the same table as the fathers. And I said this in my dream. I said, the fathers need to be facing the sons and the sons need to be facing the fathers. If we're going to see something shift, they need to be looking at each other. But yet totally. there was this chasm, like where are the fathers <laughs> and then chasm, where are the sons and this mm-hmm. massive gap. And I just feel like, like if there was ever a season, and I know that people have said this prophetically in this season, that there was ever a season to see the beginnings of some restoration. Just even the yeah. fact that many people are trapped at home having to deal with their garbage when it comes to their own mothers, fathers, parental figures, whatever. In this season, I believe as much as there might be some more breakdown that comes out of this season, yeah, relationally, there's going to be a lot of restoration that comes as a result between the hearts of the sons to the fathers, fathers to the sons, mothers, daughters, mm-hmm. daughters, mothers. I feel like it's a season of restoration in a lot of ways. Yeah. But you got to get together and we got to look at each other. We have to be present and see each other. And so anyways, mm-hmm. I just wanted to show that because I feel like in this season, like in this, maybe this is like a prophetic word for somebody to, to proximity is everything. Mm-hmm. And as much, as hard as it is, sometimes, sometimes you want to kind of be separate and you're hoping that they would pursue you or, you, you know, and you're kind of waiting, you know, get at the table. And yeah. deal with the stuff because at the table you deal with your stuff. It's like dinner time. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's never a time where where families fight the most than probably at the table. Yeah. But it's also a place where you can deal with the most stuff. It's a place of intimate connection. You're sharing a meal. It's it's a place where you can deal with your stuff. And Jesus said, I prepare a table for you mm. with me in the presence. 
of your enemies. This is where you're going to deal with stuff is at the table anyway. So yeah, that's that. good. But keep, keep going with what you're saying. No, I think, I think that's really good. The idea of, um, of fa- fathers to sons and sons to fathers. I feel like that's been kind of like the, that's the transition. And for, a, for a lot of us that, that are coming up even closely to the way that I did, the fathering quote unquote culture of the kingdom is, is it doesn't work. It doesn't work. And so the, the real word that we got, the, the word I got, you were there actually, uh, um, Julian called me out. I was ready to leave. I was leaving. I was in the back. I was going to get prayer before I had to leave, uh, the love coalition. And, um, Julian got a word from me. I didn't know him. And so they called me, Johnny G came and grabbed me and he's like, you better get out here right now. And so I ran out and he gave me a word. This was probably four years ago. And he said, um, you've been looking for a father. You've been looking for someone to father you. And, and, and you've been saying almost like, who's going to help get my destiny out of me. And he said, and even in the season where there's been the absence of fathers, like you're going to be a good father and you're going to be a father to many. And the reason that it's going to be successful is because you're going to move from a place that's performance oriented to a place that is love oriented. And you will actually, you'll supersede the performance culture with the heart of a father. And because of that, you will help to shift supernatural culture in one generation. And so I just realized that in trying to keep up with, with this culture that I, I was willing to bleed and die for because it's my guy's culture. I realized that there's, there's these, there's these gaps. So in general, my journey has been one of. So divorce, divorce, you're in the hardcore scene, bastardized culture, at 18, then what happened? So just get, bring us into so, the sequence. Yeah, I go, so I go through this horrendous kind of divorce publicly. It's like a really bad deal. And um, So no, I, not, I, like, the, was it your own divorce or your parents' divorce? No, my, my own divorce. So my parents get divorced. I go, I, I just grow up as kind of like a double kid. Like I'm back and forth. And I, and I am there in the summers. I'm with my mom, my stepdad. And I, I'm just like, I'm just a mess in a lot of ways. And so in my teenage years, start playing music, get involved in the music scene through that culture, end up meeting this, uh, this other, um, couple. I ended up at 18, essentially having an affair with a, a married woman. And within a couple of weeks of that happening, her, uh, partner, um, committed suicide. And so in the wake of that, I'm left sort of with this oh my God, did I contribute to this? Did I, did my decision actually do something so damaging that this guy ended his own life? And I have no way to make it up. I I can't make it up. And so I I walked through that season for a few years. We get pregnant. We have a little kid, um, my daughter who's turning 20. So we moved to California. I'm out in California and our, our relationship ends publicly in front of all these people. And it's, it wasn't a good deal at all. And that's when I met Jesus. So I say it like, I start realizing that Jesus is actually real. Like I can hear his voice and I can feel his presence. And I'm like, I did not know that you were real. Can I tell people? Like, cause I didn't know. I had no clue. I thought you were an idea, but I met him in the midst of my divorce. And so I met him as a bridegroom that had lost his bride. And, and so all of the bridal language of like how much he loves us and, 
and his heart for us is like, it's screaming at me. Like, do you not get it? This dude loves people so much. So I start a Bible study for kids that don't like church like me. And it just, it starts going and it turns into the first church that I planted in California. And then my ex moved back to Utah with my daughter. And so I got a job with a bank and then left and came to Utah. And I've been in Utah to help my kid get through high school. In the meantime, you know, we have like a family and all this other stuff. We start a band and the band starts going. So now, I'm, had I'm you doing... met Chrissy at this point? Had you met? Yeah, yeah. I met, okay. I met Chris in California and um, we got married before we moved to Utah together. I was like, you got to come with me if we're going to do this. So we we're doing our thing and um, have our, have our kids. Like we have my son and then we have two daughters. And then, you know, then in 2018, um, when, when, uh, Connor, uh, passed away. Your that brother, was kind of like brother. my brother. Yeah, yeah. My little brother, Connor, he, when Connor passed away, then it was like miscarriage one. And then we got pregnant with our son and we lost him at 18 weeks pregnant. And then a couple like months later, we got pregnant again and we lost our daughter at 14 weeks. And then Chrissy's mom died. And then it, it just, it was, it's just been crazy. So I'm, I'm in this spot, like trying to make sense of it all. And I'm, and I'm trying to change our life because the thing that keeps popping up is, Tommy, the work of your Christianity is to believe. Believe me. And, and that's the journey that I've been on is I just need to believe you. And I have a hard time believing you because of what I've seen. But I'm trying to believe you, like in my guts. I'm trying to believe you and I'm trying to believe you about what you think about me. And all the religion isn't working because the same people that are telling me all these great stories are the same people that are sitting at a different table and essentially are in competition and so insecure that they keep hurting my feelings and breaking my heart. Like I thought we're supposed to be in this together. Like I thought we're ride or die, but that's not even how they talk to me. So like, I have no idea where I am again. I'm just a kid in a divorced home trying to figure out where I'm going. And so wow. I'm on this run. And in the midst of that, I'm like, God, I'm trying to change my life here because I want to take care of my kids and I want to give them better than what I've been given. And so I will take on, I will be the accident. I will be the unplanned pregnancy. I will be the kid that like wasn't necessarily planned by my family, but I will be the generational stopgap for addiction and dis despair and all this other stuff. And I will leave a better legacy. I'll take that on, but I don't know what to do. And, and I got this verse from Luke 13. Jesus is talking to a bunch of people and he goes, do you think that bad thing happened to them because they were worse than anyone else? And he says, no, unless you repent, you also will perish. Then he says it again. No. Like, do you think, what about this horrible political crisis where a governmental leader slaughtered people? It's like, do you think that, okay, no, if you don't change, if you, if you don't repent, you will perish. And so the way he said it to me is like to repent is to change the way you think. And to perish is like that picture of the, the trash heap outside of Jerusalem. It's where you go to burn all your garbage. And so he says, change the way you think or you will burn. But the way that it was translated to me was, you, if you don't change your mind, you will waste your life. Wow. And then it was, Tommy, you can have your story or you can have your future and you cannot have them both. Wow. And I was like, oh, snap. So I had to take every delay, every closed door, every disappointment. I had to take that as like from the Lord, like teach me what I need to know. Show me what it is that I wasn't seeing before. 
but I'm not going to have the story that it all failed again. It doesn't work. None of it's going to happen. I'm such a piece of garbage. It's not going to like, no, 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 no. I'm taking any delays from you now. Like I will be instructed by you because I thought I could be instructed by the culture, but the culture is just as orphaned as I feel in many ways. So I have to be a son taught of the Lord or I'm not, it's not going to work. And so the idea was I can have my story or I can have my future and I'm not going to have them both. My story sucks. If you're watching this and you're looking at circumstances or other people or the, the letdown and the whatever, and that's why you're not, dude, your story sucks. Just drop it. It's not working for you. Take it from me. Your story is garbage. Burn wow. it and have your future. Instead, there is a future because Jesus is the one who was, yes, he's the one who is, yes, and he is the one who will come. So you have to grab your mindset and marry it to the Jesus who will come. You have to pull wow. yourself into a place of vision because if, and this is something that's been taught to me, if you will grab a hold of the vision of Jesus, he will pull you from looking at your past. He'll pull you into the present, but you'll understand why. And that's all I'm saying is you can have your garbage story about how it all didn't happen, but it's only hurting you and it's not creating the actual new thing. So when Sean says that verse of like, I think that this conversation can echo into your future. I want you to think about it like this. You are standing with Jesus in a hallway and the hallway is full of doors and the doors are shut. They're not locked, but they're shut. And Jesus calls your name and throws it down the hallway and it bounces into one of the rooms. You can walk into a room in your future that you've never discovered yet at the beckoning of Jesus. Or you can stand next to him and be pissed that you're in the hallway, but it's not going to work. If you stand there, he will start moving ahead of you. And eventually you're going to either have to choose like, well, I can stay where I am because in 2009, all that crap went down in my life and I don't even know what's going on. And I can't believe that so-and-so did me dirty on that business deal. And I can't believe it. Or you can drop all of that and begin to follow Jesus through this like liminal space into the next room of your life. And that's what we had to do in the face of horrendous tragedy was I had to go, I can have my story of how horrible 2018 and 2019 is, or I can have my future and I need, I have to have my future. Like I have to, I've got to get a hold of this because it's not it, anyway. So that was sort of the, that's what predicated this idea of realizing that for the longest time I, I was wealthy and in really cool relationships. I was, I was very high in my fulfillment. I feel as though I've lived a really cool life. And, and that idea of like, am I a failure? It's like, well, why would I think that I'm a failure when Holy smokes, I got to travel all over the world and I got to play music with all these people. And I have amazing relationships with a lot of really diverse people from all over the place. And man, I got a sense of humor and I can read good and I can run. Like, I've got a great life. Why do I feel like I'm such a failure? And realizing that my mentality was actually scarcity and lack and poverty and realizing that that's the stuff that Jesus wants to change because I can have these dreams but I'm not going to be able to walk into the fullness of my future if I don't grow on the inside in God. And I was almost hoping that the community of people would build a bigger garden for me, but I outgrew the garden. So now I have to follow God and get planted in the next place that he wants me. Cause I would have planted myself 
with a bunch of people that wouldn't have truly supported me. They would, they would not have been able to, because if I'm really allowed to be myself, I'm going to be me at full volume. And that can be very intimidating for people, but I'm so used to feeling embarrassed about myself. I don't even know how to do it. So I'm like, okay, God, show me where I'm supposed to grow so I can be myself because I've never felt full permission to be me at full volume. I've always felt too much or crazy or too loud or say too many cuss words or whatever it is. It's like, dude, I just, I'm, I'm like the lessons I learned through sin and shame were I suck at life. I don't deserve my own name. I don't have any integrity. I'm not trustworthy. And if you give me existence, I will break it. So just don't, just don't let me be a servant in the little box and I'll stay here. And God is continually shattering the box and going, you need to come out. And I'm, I, it's been such a journey of learning to trust that God actually likes me in a way that I didn't realize before, that God is actually with me, that he actually believes in me too. And that's been my journey of the work of God for me is to believe in the one he sent. He sent him for me. It's all in Christ but oh my gosh, there's so much available. And I've been living at such a low level of soul. So my hope would be that all of us can really take stock of, are you telling yourself a Christian version of a trauma bond? Or are you actually going to be free to follow Jesus into everything that he has for you? Because you can settle and have a very good Christian story. But I'll tell you what, I have a great Christian story and I got videos made about some of the stuff that we did. And that whole time, I didn't feel worthy to have my own name, which you could, you could have like a holy story Um, about it, but that sucks. That is a sucky way to feel. And I don't think that that's how I'd want my son to feel. You know, we were were talking about that's This is so powerful, man. Like I I literally feel like the weight of what you're saying. And I I know that anybody who's ever going to watch this either Mm -hmm. right now or after the fact um, is going to, this is going to echo into their future because it's raw. It's real. It's, it's a story. I I literally was talking to my kids this, this uh, Friday about, about belief and about Mm -hmm. believing in God and talking about how the enemy, the enemy's only tactic is to get you to believe the lie. So mm. we have two things that are warring for, for our soul. Is God is warring for our soul so that we believe and rest in the finished work of Jesus. That's yeah. the work that we are called to, is to believe in the finished work, right? Mm-hmm. This is yeah. the only work, just to believe. At the mm-hmm. same time, the enemy is saying, Okay, I'm going to oppose that by warring against you to get you to believe in my work, which is he's the prince or father of lies. So I want you to believe in the lie that you aren't good enough. It's like Matthew 4 all over again, where Jesus is in the wilderness. Mm -hmm. And right after his baptism in Matthew 3, he's led because those that are sons of God are led by the spirit. Romans 8 verse 14, those that are led by the spirit, our sons, he's led by the spirit into a, let's call it a trauma or call it a trial, a test. Yeah. He's led into a test by the spirit for 40 days. And the first two attacks on his mindset mm. is if you really are the son of God, which was just pronounced over you, then do this forfeit, 
forfeit mm. everything that was just declared over you, forfeit mm. your sonship by believing in yourself in a way that disconnects you from the Father. Wow. If you really are the Son of God and turn these stones into bread. Yeah. And so believe at my word rather than believe at his word. And so mm. this is the wrestle that we're all in because you like your story really, in my opinion, is is a uh, is a representation of so many people's journey. And it's a story of process. Like we're all on a pro we're all on a journey and we could be living in good. Yep. But it doesn't mean that we're living in the best. Yeah. And so like, if somebody were to look at your life, like you even said it. Over the last hour, I know, you know, I don't know how many years since you had your encounter with Jesus and the band and all the influence, all the amazing things that God had done and did do through you and your ministry. People yeah. would have said, man, this guy is like the most real deal, genuine. And, 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 and honestly, and, and I believe that you are, but it just goes to show that even though God is doing amazingly good things in and through our lives there's still a wrestle in all of us to continue to renew our mind, to think even better about ourselves, to, to grow yeah. continually in this revelation of sonship, even more to yeah. continually, like Galatians says, to keep in step with the spirit, which really is a demonstration of our sonship to, to continue to believe more in the power of the message of what Jesus came to give us rather than the line that says, even though Jesus did this, you know, you're a worthless piece of junk and yeah. you're never going to conquer this. And you're always going to fail in this area because every one of us have areas where we're not living our best life yet. Yeah. If we were all living our best life in every area all the time, well, it's like that rich man into the, you know, the, it's, it's like that rich man of the kingdom. It's like, well, we got it all. We got it all. I'm yeah. just going to buy my way through life. I'm just going to, I'm just, I am my own God. I'm just going to make everything happen. But we miss out on the the bigger picture when we do that. There's there's yeah. a God picture that he has drawn up for us. Yeah. And the only way that we enter his picture, his future, yeah. is by continuing to surrender to the fact that we're in a process. Romans 12 says, be transformed, have the metamorphosis. The, the picture is like a caterpillar. Like continue mm -hmm. to let areas of your life stay in the cocoon yeah. so that you can come out as a butterfly you know, uh, uh, you know, morphed into the person you're called, always were called to wow. be. Because the yeah. only thing Ephesians says, the only thing that we were ever really predestined for is to be predestined to be adopted as mm -hmm. sons yep. of a greater kingdom, of a greater family, of a spiritual family. That's yeah. the journey that we're all on. And it's yep. never an ongoing journey. Like it doesn't stop. Like, man, I, mm -hmm. I literally, as a father, I have four kids like yourself. I'm reminded every day of areas mm. of my life where I think like an orphan, where I think yeah. like, I'm, this That's good. that I am one. I just mm -mm. think that like all of us, there are mindsets and temptations about how we think about ourselves that creep in every day. And totally. every day I have to renew my mind and be like, that's not who I am. That's not what I am. Mm. And I, I can smell it, man. I mean, like, there's nothing like fathering and being a husband that exposes your garbage that exposes your bad mindsets that exposes yeah. your um lack of revelation you know or even just relationships in general expose the deepest That's, struggles yeah. within you and so we're all on a journey so your story really is about a journey mm -hmm. and man like for those of you that don't know i mean and i i can say this on behalf of tommy 
that like, and I, I hear this and I've heard this about you is that Tommy was like a, in the hardcore scene, in the metal hardcore music scene, which is very underground in nature. It's like a subculture of the music scene. Tommy was considered like a legend and a forerunner in that he was one of the first guys that just brought an unadulterated version of Jesus to that scene. Like he would be in the mm. water, like you heard the stories, baptizing kids with water. Like he didn't just, he didn't care about the praise of what someone was going to say if he shared his story raw and real about how Jesus changed his life. And these are in like clubs and bars and in scenes where, you know, people are throwing stuff at him, you know, scoffing at like, you know, like you said, shared one story of some guy that threw like his pee on you on stage. Yeah. I mean, yeah. crazy stuff, but you literally lived in a space where you didn't care. And all that good, like you were a forerunner, you broke through. I think you gave a voice to people that were scared of sharing their voice in this area. Totally. And and yeah. I know you know that, but I think that it's so mm. easy being the one who did it to continue to dismantle yourself and say it wasn't yeah. enough. Because because orphans totally. say I'm not good enough always. Orphans, totally. the mentality of an orphan is I'm not good enough yet. I'm still not good mm. enough. I can be super good, but I'm not good enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that, that's been my... Uh, my huge challenge, man, like I grew wow. up in a broken home, age five parents divorced. You know, I love my parents. I'm thankful for my parents. And it's been an amazing journey now as a believer in what God has done in my families. But yeah. like, my journey growing up was very similar in that I always felt like I wasn't good enough, that nothing I did was wow. I could always be better, always be mm -hmm. better, always be better. And to this day, mm. that would be my continual temptation to lean in yeah. and say, oh, it wasn't good enough. It wasn't perfect enough. Wow. It, and, and so, but I have to continually renew my mind and say, no, I'm a son and I am mm -hmm. good enough. Yes, I can Complete. grow. Yes, I'm deepening my root systems, but I'm not doing that to get the approval of people or the approval of, of God. Yeah, that's right. Have the approval of God and therefore the approval of people doesn't matter. That yeah. for an audience of one. That's my yeah, journey think, every day, all the time. That's, it sounds very similar in a sense. Oh, it's, yeah, I think I think that's real. And I don't think that I've had the confidence. I don't even think I've necessarily had the self-image to say, I just need to be better. I got to be a better, you know, I don't even think I had the like, oh, I got to like, I think I just was driven by shame. Like, please it, someone yeah. see, please someone see, please someone notice and affirm. Like, please someone just tell me that I'm worth it, which is, it's just different. But I would say, to, to kind of even sew a part of this together for you and for the community is um, part of what this part of what this process has kind of been for me, because I like the word process. I, I want to couch some parts of this in what is what's a solution? What's something that's available for people? And I would say I want everybody to think of the story of Lazarus. Um, Lazarus dies and he goes into the tomb. Jesus is in ministry and he dies. And he goes into the grave and Jesus calls him out of the grave. He comes out of the grave and the verse that stays with me about what is really important. So important right now in an age where it is, it's a very, it's really unreal. It's a real unreal kind of era in the church. And so I just want to say to the people, Jesus calls Lazarus out of the grave and he says to the people, take the grave clothes off of him and let him go. 
And I feel as though that picture is why we are important to one another. Lazarus comes out of the grave and all these people have to come and take stinky, gross things off of their brother and allow, they have to deal with that process together. I can only imagine the people that showed up to do that and what that brought up for them is like, we remove the grave clothes from one another, that's community. And then we're allowed to truly walk into the freedom of what, what Jesus has done for us. And so wherever you are in the journey, that's why we need each other. I, I, I'm such a huge fan of, we, of the crew. Like you need the crew, a gang affiliation. You need yeah. your gang to be there, to be like, okay, you're messing up and I see that. Or dude, you are so dead in this area. You have to let God deal with that. And the grave clothes really represent like death. What has died, you can hold on to what has died. You can hold on to what represents death in your life, or you can strip yourself of those things that represent death in your life and actually come out a free man, a free woman. Yeah, that's, and that would be the goal is like where you are. One of the things that I thought would happen was I thought just by being in proximity to powerful ministry people that somehow the grave clothes would come off. Wow. It didn't actually happen that way. It was, in, it was in the right relationships at the right time and the right kind of people that would say, I see you, I'm invested in you, and I'm going to help you. And I'm just telling you, I've been remarkably surprised by who actually has helped me to experience transformation and where it's come from. My story has always been seeing Jesus where he doesn't belong. And so it's very wild to have Jesus show up to help me from areas of the world or culture where he doesn't belong. Um, and so even for me, I would say part of what is helping me to shift my, my mindset and my experience, my mentor would say, you have to see a thing, you have to test the thing, and then you have to experience it as good in order for you to truly integrate it into your life. Wow. The Bible would say, taste and see. but for a lot of us, it's like, well, I can think that making enough, I can think that making more than enough money to cover my bills is good. But if I've never tried it, tested it, and experienced it, I won't know. For some of you guys, health, finance, social connections, deeper relationships, you have to see it, you have to test it, and you have to have the experience of it, or you will not change. And so Jesus literally will lead you into opportunities to see a thing, to test the thing, and then to experience it as success in your life so that you can adopt a new mindset. Otherwise, we just stay where we are. And so I've just been blown away at the people that have come to take the grave clothes off of my scarcity mindset, taking the grave clothes off of my abandonment in my heart, taking the grave clothes off of... Um, my self-discipline and, my, and my, my functionality as a father or a husband, taking the grave clothes off of my ability to say yes and no. Like we need one another. We need our people to help take those grave clothes off so that we're able to truly be set free. And I think all of us are in that process. So I really, I totally agree with what you're saying, Sean, where you're like, this is about process. The, the verse that I would say that reminds me the most of this is um, Jesus says, Consider the way that a, a farmer sows seed and the seed produces a, a kernel, which produces a stalk, which produces a head, and then it's harvest time. 
And he's like, day or night, whether he's awake or asleep, it's just doing its work. And I think when we trust God, that's our story too. He does the work in us and through us. We just have to show up. We have to be willing to be grown and pruned and grown and pruned and harvested. So that's what I would say is I'm learning in this idea. I prayed that God would bless me so I could believe it. I pray that God would teach me to be responsible and full of character and full of fire through good things happening. But I realized that one of the things he dealt with five years ago for me was discipline from God produces discipline. Punishment from the world produces shame. Wow. Jesus disciplines us. And when he disciplines me, it actually plants the seed of discipline. When I'm punished, punishment plants the seed of shame. And so if Jesus sows discipline into our life, it's so we can grow more discipline. He actually sows seed after its own kind. It's in the world where you sow good plants, but it reaps thorns and thistles. When you sow in the curses, it never shows up the way that you thought it was going to. It's like I do the right thing and the wrong thing keeps happening. So that's why God's discipline is so much more, it's so much better. And and I'm saying that because I was thinking God was going to discipline me, that God was going to discipline me through punishment. He doesn't do that. He disciplines me through discipline. He doesn't punish me through shame. He doesn't do that. He will not do that to us. He, there's no shadow in him. That's so sketchy to yeah. be that kind of a dad, man. He doesn't do it that way. But if that's how we're, if that's the only way we're used to disciplining ourselves, our kids, other people is through punishment and shame. You're going to miss what God is trying to do in your life. And it's taken me like a long time to discover he's much better to me than I am to myself. Oh my gosh. So I would just say that for those of you guys, you need your community to help take the dead wrappings off of whatever wow. issue of mind, soul, spirit, whatever you're dealing with, you need your community because they help take the grave clothes off. Know that if you're a Christian, you've already been in the tomb and Jesus has beckoned you out. Now you are no longer a dead thing, but a lot of us still have the wrappings on. And so he wants us to take those off together, but then understand in your personal discipleship, he's going to discipline you so you can be disciplined. It feels awesome when you show up for yourself, when you're not used to doing that. It feels great, but it's a process. If he goes, how about embrace this discipline? And you're like, ah, I don't, I don't know. Like I, and he's like, I trust you. Like say no, say, say no right now. Like make this decision instead. And you're like, that does not feel fun or good at all. And he goes, can I have your story? you can have what I'm doing in your life. And so it's, again, you're just going to keep running into that, but his discipline, it actually sows discipline. We feel much more connected. Our conscience feels a lot cleaner when we're saying yes to God in a way that really feels consistent when we're all weird and we're not disciplined in our yes. I know how it feels. It feels crappy. It doesn't, you don't feel like you're you. So anyways, that's what I'd say is like, it is, it is process. It is journey. You can be crushing it in a ton of different areas of your life and still be dealing with the process. That's good. That's called growth. 
and understand that where you start succeeding, like a good vine dresser, you could be killing it and God will prune you back. And you're like, ah, I was doing good there. Why are you shutting that down? And he's like, no, I want it to be even better. Trust yeah. me. But like he disciplines you. He disciplines what you do. He disciplines who you're with. Like he'll, he'll prune yeah. it all back. And so I just want people to understand that it's like, you can be doing Christian real good and you could still be a total train wreck. That's totally. not going to get you. It's not going to, that's not the, that's not the end goal. The end goal is that the way Paul said it, I, I I'm jealous for you that Christ would be fully formed in you. And I want Christ to be fully formed in you. I want Christ to be fully formed in me. So I got to believe him. I have to surrender to what he's going to do. And he's also, he has to have permission to wash my wounded mind and my yeah. wounded heart so that I can come into alignment with what he's doing. And I don't so get to have my crappy story. If I'm going to have the future that he's secured for me, I can't stay stuck in my story. So my encouragement to anybody that sees this is like, drop your story and, and have a better story, like That's write amazing. a better story with the Lord. So. That's amazing. Yeah. I think, I think, you know, you could feel like you're crushing it in life and there's an element within that where God is disciplining you. I mean, even when we yeah. read it in Hebrews that God chastises those he loves. Yeah. You're an illegitimate son if there is no discipline. Wow. That word for chastise like, is where we get this concept of child training from. Really, it's just you're training to grow up. It's training to grow up mm. and mature, you know? And then, you know, even if you're crushing it, there's a level of discipline that's happening in your life. You're growing in different areas. And then maybe you're being crushed. That's a whole other side of child of training as well. Yeah. Training is happening whether you're on the mountain or you're in the valley, no matter what season you're in, being crushed or you feel like you're crushing mm. it. You're always yeah. being trained. But I think sometimes we have a, a misunderstanding of discipline where we feel like bad things in our life is like God's discipline in our life. No, God mm. is a redemptive God. He'll use, or let's rephrase that, he'll he'll train you in whatever season's going on, whether life yeah. is hitting you hard and it's destroying you. I mean, in that season, you're going to grow. God's yeah. not doing it. God's not punishing you. Mm -hmm. He's not giving you bad circumstances to teach you a lesson, breaking your arm until you can heal it. That's not what he's like yeah. as a father, but he's yeah. so redemptive that whether good or bad, he's just always working. Like you said, the plant is just always growing. We don't know how, yeah. but it's, it's when we get our mindset off like you said, and get so possessed by the story of what's happening, yeah. we actually forget and lose perspective of what's happening now for the future. And so we totally. get almost possessed by our story and then miss a perspective that says to me, if you can just work this out in your life in this season, who cares about why it's happening? God yeah. doesn't answer that question, why? The only right. question he usually answers is what is he doing or what will he do? from this situation and that's really future it's like it's like if if you could surrender in this season of horror surrender in this season of trauma to me don't worry about why it's happening life just happens it's just like i will do something powerful in and through you into your future and so that's really what we're talking about and you know i would love for you man if you could just there are people that are watching right now that are on a journey to get to know Jesus. You're, they're searching. Yeah. There are people that are going to watch this and are watching that don't know him in relationship, don't have that relationship. If you could just lead them right now on a journey, what do they have to do? What's the next step for them 
Mm. And then I would love for you to pray over those individuals and then pray for everybody else as well that will be watching this or are watching this right now. Yeah. Well, I would just say that if, if you, if you don't actually have a relationship with, um, uh, if you, uh, I guess, yeah, if you don't actually have like a relationship with Jesus, like you actually don't know him, maybe you know about him, or maybe you've heard Christian things, or you've shown up at, you know, different social circles, and you got friends that like say they love God, or maybe they don't. If you just feel like, I don't know who this Jesus is at all. I don't have a relationship with God. God doesn't actually speak to me, talk to me, hang out with me. Like, I don't know if he's there or not. Um, then I would just invite you. I would invite you to open up your heart in this moment, open up your heart and open up your mind in this moment. And this would be the prayer that I would pray for you and with you. Um, I'll pray it. You just repeat after me and that's all you have to do. Um, in a lot of ways to just to access some part of your life that is, is undiscovered. I want you to see yourself as buried treasure and, and God has been looking for you in this moment. You are the very thing that God treasures more than anything in the whole world. You are the thing that he's been waiting for, the thing that he's been looking for. And everything that's brought you to this moment is so critically important. And God sees you where you are. He knows you where you are. So I would just invite you, open up your heart right now and pray with me. Lord Jesus, thank you for surrendering your life on the cross for me. Cover me with your blood. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I have no idea what my life will be like but I surrender my life to you now. You can have all of it. Please be good to me. Amen. I believe that if you prayed that with us, you've just opened up your heart, your spirit, and he has actually taken a precious part of his nature and his virtue and actually put it within you expect that you will begin to feel and think and see and process a little differently because God is with you now. And I would just say that you are able to walk from this moment forward. You are not guilty. You are not ashamed. There's no one that can say anything against you. Like the Bible says, what shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? The same God that wouldn't spare his own son, but sent Jesus for you. He, he's not pointing his finger at you. And no one else has that right. You are a child of God. And this is where you've always been meant to be. So welcome home. Thank you so much for praying with me. Thank you for taking a moment to open up your heart and your life. Understand that this is like real deal. So expect your whole world to begin to like shift in some ways. But you, you probably need crew. You probably need some understanding and some knowledge. You need community. So please seek out some people that are going to love Jesus with you and love you because you love Jesus too and walk with them for a while. But I just bless you. And I'm so, so, so proud of you. I, when I said that prayer, when I kind of gave my life to God, I was like basically homeless. My wife had left. I was like divorced. I was broke. I was the janitor at a trailer park. I was like, just not doing well at all. 
And uh, my mom looked at me and she said, um, Thomas, you will forever be a success to me. And I said, why? And she said, because you've said yes to Jesus. That's the one yes that you ever need to say. And so I will always regard you as a success from this point forward. So I just want to tell you guys, if you say yes to Jesus, you, you are royalty forever. That's the most, that's the most brilliant thing you could have done. And my, my hope for you is that you see the, the brilliance of the Holy Spirit, that Jesus is a genius and that he can actually take care of you and lead you into a life that you've never known before. So it was a really good idea that you just prayed. And I'm really grateful that you did. That's amazing, man. Thank you so much. Can you just pray <laughs> one last thing? Everybody yeah. else in the context of, you know, our soul being revived in this season, wow. in this area yeah. of, you know, moving forward and from this, this way of thinking of, of lack mm. of self-worth and really, which is yeah. a poverty mentality to more prosperous mentality in that God values us and that we are mm. sons, that we are daughters and just pray for some deliverance over people that have been warring with the shame that says yeah. they're a failure. They're not good enough. And we want to move into our future in this next season, coming out of quarantine strong. Lazarus yeah. was quarantined for days, mm. but he came out stronger and he had to leave the grave clothes behind from this mm. quarantine season. And I believe that for the church, mm. we're coming out like Lazarus out of this long quarantine process, out of the cave of isolation and death and stink. And we're coming yeah. out even stronger. So if you could just pray over us that our soul would be revived in this season in these areas, that would be awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So what I would invite everybody that's watching this, um, kingdom, culture, family, anyone that sees this, um, if, if anything that's popped up for you, it, it, if there's wisdom on it, what I want to do is I want to invite you. Um, is there a time or a year or a season of your life that when you think of it, you feel stuck? Like, oh man, for me, you know, it'd be like, <laughs> 2018 to 2019, you know, was like a horrendous moment. If I'm really honest, I went through a real broken period in 2013. There was a church closure and a bunch of crazy stuff. And I feel like, man, that was a hard time for me. So if you've got that, oh, it was 1998 and this crazy thing happened, or man, it was 2007 and we went through that transition, or man, it was like 2009 and we lost this opportunity or someone left my life or we had to move and I didn't understand. If, if there's a year or a season in your life, I would just invite you to take it and put it in your left hand and close it up. And, uh, and, and Holy Spirit, I just pray right now for everyone that is, they know and they've told it and they've retold it and they've rehearsed it in their car as they're driving and they've had to like knock down, drag out with the invisible person that wasn't there and They've tried to make sense of it for so long and they've got their story and this is what happened and this is what it meant to me. And this is, this is what it means about you, God. And this is what it means about life. And this is what it means about that city or that community or that business or those people or my kids or who I am. And this is what it means. And I just want to invite you to drop that right now. I just, I, I want you to see it. Here's your story. Here's your broken story in your hands. Hold it there. Feel the tension. Feel all of the pressure. Feel all of the stuff that has brought you no pleasure, no satisfaction. There's no relief in that story. The why of the story. The why will not heal the pain. Put the why. why put that why in your left hand too. Just hold it before the Lord. 
this is my garbage story, God. And I'm going to count to three, and I want you to release that broken story to the Lord. And then I want you to stand with your, with your hands open before the Father to receive your future into your heart. And so right now, in Jesus' name, I just pray for everybody that's going to see this that's got a crappy story that doesn't work. And it will not come with them into their future. And I pray right now that as I count to three, that you would actually release that story to the Lord. You would release that story. One, two, three. We just let it go right now in Jesus' name. 2013, all the loss I went through, 2018, 2019. Like, oh God the shame of like losing so many little babies and the embarrassment that me and Chrissy felt because we made the Instagram post and it was public. And then all of that stuff, God, the swirl of all the pain, whatever it is for you, the business failure, the, the job loss, the relationship ending, the, the death, the sickness, the diagnosis, whatever that is, we let it go right now in Jesus name. And I pray right now in the mighty and awesome name of Jesus, that by the blood of the lamb, which speaks a better word, we receive right now into your other hand, just receive your future in God. Everything that God could do, everything that God will do exceedingly and abundantly above anything you could ask for and anything you could pray for. Jesus, we receive our future from you. We let go of our story and we receive prophetically right now the testimony of i cannot believe that it got this good i cannot believe that god turned that around i i never saw that coming i'm so grateful for what i went through we receive that testimony thank you jesus for giving us beauty for ashes right now in jesus name and i just pray that you would actually take your hands receive your future and then put it over your heart and receive the future that jesus has for you into your heart let go of whatever was behind you and receive your future in God right now. We just commit our future days to you, Lord. Whoa. I pray right now for ministering angels to just show up in the atmosphere, that you would open doors for people that no one could shut and that you would shut doors for people that no one could open. And I just, your confession, Jesus, I let go of my story. I want my future with you. I let go of my story. I want my future. I want the thing you have for me. So I will become poor right now. And understand, I'll become poor in the story so that I can be rich with you in my future days. And I just commit your journey to the Lord that Jesus sees your process. He's proud of you and he's with you in it. That it's going to get better and better, better, better. So I just bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow, man. That was amazing, man. I, I receive it. You're ministering to me. I receive it. I, I know yeah. so many people watching probably are just totally getting rocked by what just took place. I believe yes, this Lord. conversation Lord. is going to echo into the future. And I just want to say to our Kingdom Culture family, our community, all those watching right now, and those that will watch this later, we're believing with you that your future will be brighter than the story you're currently living in right now. Mm, thank and you, Lord. We're just we're 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 here to believe 
and and pray that this season of quarantine that you would come out of this and we're as we're in a global pandemic right now some people are already coming out some people are still in it we're just believing that you're going to come out of this season stronger better bigger and wow. just with a healthier perspective of yourself and life and that this revelation and truth of who you are as valuable will just change the game moving forward so thank you for watching we thank love you. We love all of you. We're so excited to connect with you. Hit a like, share this. Um, but uh, we will we will see you soon. If you if you let Jesus into your life, just make sure you hit one of the links. You can email us at prayer at kingdomculture.ca. We would love to pray with you and help you along on this journey. So for those of you um, that are watching right now, we love you. Make sure you share this. Make sure you subscribe to this channel if you're new with us today for the first time. And before you go, make sure you just watch this little outro video as we close today's experience. But Tommy, we love you, man. Thank you so much you for too. being on this call. It was an amazing conversation. God bless you all. Tommy, we'll see you soon. 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 Tommy, we'll see you soon.